Hey, and welcome back to another episode of the MTB Fitness Podcast. Now today, just like in the last episode, I'm going to be going through various hints and tips and just things that are on my mind in general, really, that will hopefully help you out with your fitness, with your training, with your riding, with everything off the bike, just generally in your in your life in general. <laughs> so I hope you really enjoy this episode. Please make sure if it's the first time listening to this or if you're not already that you do subscribe because then you'll be notified of future episodes. Uh, and also if you're enjoying these episodes, drop me an email and just let me know at the end of the podcast what your favorite tip from today was. That'd be cool to, um, to hear from you as well. But without further ado, let's get into today's episode. So there's various different bits and bats that I want to talk about on today's podcast. Uh, I've got a list of kind of rough notes, but as you know with me, I like to just chat on with myself and go off on loads of random different tangents. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens today. But I thought the first thing that would be useful to start chatting about was a ride that I went on, I think last week, was it? Maybe the week before. So I've talked to Martin before, he's actually been on the podcast, but Elliot Peep. Uh, Elliot, Elliot Heap, who rides for Chain Reaction Cycles uh, Enduro Team, and he rides for Nuke Proof as well. They kind of they're the team together. Um, I've ridden with him a few times in the past. I started doing some skills coaching with him a while ago, and then I just messaged him to see if he fancied a ride. So I headed over Bolton Way to Rivington for those in the area, and went for a ride with him. And then Nigel, his manager, came as well. So the Chain Reaction Cycle Team, I think they have four riders. Elliot's one of them, and then the kind of the highest profile rider is Sam Hill, so I'm sure you've heard of him, one of the best riders in the world. So Nigel used to be a pro rider himself and a pro racer, and now he's a team manager. I think he said he's done it for 19 years, something like that. I'll have to get him on the podcast at some point. Really nice guy, um, and like I say, he's the manager for Chain Reaction, so Sam Hill, Elliot Heap, and the two other riders who I think are on the team, and to be honest, he could just ride really, really well himself. So I thought I'd kind of share my experience from the day on today's podcast. So first of all, it was really fun, it's just great riding with people who are better riders than you, and I think it really pushes you. Outside of your comfort zone is one thing, but it just kind of shows you what the next level is, if you like, and... It just shows you what's possible on a bike. So we rode what, according to Nigel, <laughs> at the beginning of the ride, I was like, before we dropped into anything, he was giving me a run through. I was like, so, you know, is this a descent? What are we, what are we about to drop into? He was like, oh, don't worry, don't worry. There's no no descents on this ride. <laughs> and then we uh, lifted the bikes over this fence. Couldn't really tell you where it was, if you know the area, but over this fence and then dropped into this apparently not descent <laughs> when we got into it it was super slick there was it been raining a lot there was like diagonal routes coming across like off camber it was a steep descent you were talking you know you bum on the back wheel and then at one point partway through the woods there was a four foot drop sort of midway through and then again when it dropped there was just a load of steep off camber sections and to be honest it was a like for me it was a tough descent i got to the bottom of it no problem they had to wait at the bottom <laughs> which riding with new pros uh, with two pros I'm not embarrassed of that um but it was it was just interesting I found because to Nigel it was literally just like yeah there's no descents around here and that doesn't register as a descent to him like he'll just you know go down it absolutely no problems and that's because he's used to racing or you know used to race pro 
World Cup downhill tracks and obviously he goes riding everywhere with Elliot Heap and Sam Hill and they'll be riding the EWS circuit and Nigel will probably ride a lot of the same tracks that those guys do. So to him, that wasn't a descent. And the reason I kind of bring it up is because it's great, I think, to get out with people who are miles better at riding than you are because it just shows you what's possible. Um, and I think on that day, it would have been easy to rock up feeling really nervous and self-conscious and knowing you're not going to be as quick as they are. But to be honest, I, I, I wasn't bothered. I'm kind of over that now. I've been riding for a long time. Um, and they were they were like, they were sound. Like, I know Elliot, so I knew Elliot knows who I am and I've ridden with him before, so that was like no issue. But even Nigel, never met him before, and at the bottom of every descent, sometimes he had to wait 30, 40 seconds for me to catch them up. And as soon as I got down, Nigel was just like, oh, how sick was that descent? It was class, that one, it. You know, the usual, like, high-fiving, that kind of thing. I didn't get to the bottom, and they were stood there checking the watches. Like, they didn't care how fast or how slow I was. And I think, likewise, if I'd have been right up ahead and battering on the downhills, they wouldn't have cared either, like, we were all just there to have fun riding, and there was no judgment involved, <laughs> which worked out quite well, <laughs> you may have seen my Facebook and Instagram post, so there was one descent that we were doing, again, not a descent in inverted commas, there was definitely a bit of a descent, <laughs> um, and there was a steep, muddy chute, which was fine. I'm comfortable riding that sort of thing now. But I was so focused on the steep chute, on keeping my wheels moving and making sure that I didn't wash out. And you had to kind of like meander down it. A bit like a slalom ski style to get down, if you know what I mean. Then at the bottom, there was a sharp left-hander. And then you cut across a stream completely horizontally to it. So at 90 degrees. And what I hadn't really noticed was the stream and the correct line through it. So I shot out of the bottom of this chute, really enjoyed that bit. And then instead of getting on the brakes and taking a hard left to then cross the stream, I ended up shooting into the stream, battering down it for about five metres. And then at the same time, I hit a big boulder that was hidden in the stream with my front wheel. And my right handlebar clipped this little outcrop on the side. It flung me straight over the bars and I was fully submerged in the water so I just came up blah, 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 spitting and bluffering um just like you know water everywhere and I'm not exaggerating from the top of my head my helmet to the tips of my toes I was fully submerged I was soaking um and it was funny like I, I'm, I don't take myself seriously if you followed any of these podcasts or my videos or anything like that you'll know that um I, I was just laughing at myself and you know Nigel and Elliot were both you all right that was massive <laughs> and I was just making jokes that I wish he'd want a GoPro because it would have been great for Facebook and Instagram but um you know we were all laughing I didn't get embarrassed about it it was a fun crash and then as for the rest of the ride I just cracked on making jokes there was a couple of times where the conversation went quiet for 30 seconds or so so I'd obviously be like is anybody else feeling a bit wet? <laughs> and um, I made a note to uh, joke to Nigel as well, uh, asking him when my nuke-proof papers uh, were going to come through the post. They've not arrived yet, but I'm sure they will do at some point. <laughs> he may have suggested that I stick to my Yeti. <laughs> um, but I thought it was just good. I think there's various things to take away from it. I would say don't take yourself too seriously. Don't be afraid to ride with people that are much better than you because they know within five minutes of riding with you what sort of level you're at you can't hide it so forget it and to be honest they like they don't care and if you did end up riding with someone and they ended up being a dick and not being nice to you that's very rare that that's going to happen but if it did just don't ride with them again 
Like, if I rocked up to ride with um, Elliot or Nigel the first time and they were horrible or, you know, we didn't get along, I wouldn't ride with them again. And likewise as well, like, if I'm sure they wouldn't want to ride with me again if I wasn't a nice person. So, you know, if you do rock up and you're about to do your first group ride, for example, or you're going to ride with people who you think may be better than you, just get over yourself. And I mean that in the nicest possible way. Get over yourself because it's not that important. Me and you aren't that important. And the person who you're worried is going to judge you isn't that important either. Like, we're all just people. And if they aren't nice, it's unlikely, but if they aren't nice, don't ride with them again. You know, there's, there's nothing, nothing lost by doing that. I think the other side of it as well is when you only ride on your own, you can think you're doing really well. And I mean that in a good way. Like, I'd, I'd class myself as a good rider like right, right now. Nowhere near as good as pro level like those two are. But I can hold my own on pretty much every trail. Like, I'm a decent rider now, I think. Um, but there's, like, so many different levels to it. And if you only ride with yourself, you kind of get accustomed to beating your own times on Strava. I'll regularly get in the top tens around my local area on Strava for both descents and climbs if I want to. So that can kind of... It can keep you within a certain comfort zone and get you thinking that you're a certain level of rider or whatever. When you go and ride with riders that are miles better than you... It just shows you what that new level is, and it's really good. Like, they'll do things that you, you you just never consider on the bike. So, you know, while you're riding back to the car, there'll be no-handed wheeling and <laughs> all sorts. Uh, you know, bunny-hopping over four, five-foot stuff and wheeling off the end of it. And it's just really good to see that, new, that next level of riding because it helps push you. Um, and as well as that, riding behind people who are much faster than you, you'll push to keep up with them and... Riding with people that are better than you, I talk about it all the time, but it just really, really helps you and it really benefits your riding. And there was one thing as well that I noticed with Elliot, um, we got talking actually, um, the three of us on a climb, we were just talking about the what the difference is between the very best riders in the world, like Sam Hill for example, and the rest of the pro riders who are obviously amazing, but you know, the 20th in the world rather than number one in the world. And both Elliot and Nigel were saying that for Sam Hill specifically, that he's got a mindset where he just wants to win far more than anyone else. So he's much more aggressive on the bike when he's racing. He's much more focused. He's much more determined. And he will just give 100% and fight for the win more. So he will fight for those half seconds. He'll fight to... To, to win the race, to win the stage. And if he ends up dropping back on a stage, he'll dig in and push harder. And they were saying that that's one thing that they noticed with Sam Hill is that, I was going to say Sam then, with Sam. We're not on first name terms. I never met the guy. <laughs> um, one thing they noticed with Sam Hill is that he's just got that inner drive and that focus and that determination to win more than other people. And, you know, we talk about how mindset is so important and it was just great to hear from two people who race with the best rider in the world really to see how important they thought that mindset was and for him they said it's the deciding factor like obviously they were saying he's an amazing rider he works very hard he's super fit all those things but it was his mind and his ability to work harder and to push harder that was the big difference for them I thought that was interesting um, and I noticed with Elliot when we were riding up um, up towards Rivington there's a few steps on the left, so I'd probably say they're about six steps at a time, about ten times over. So you would go up, if you were going 
up it, you would walk up six steps, then walk forward a bit, then walk up six steps, then walk forward a bit. So there's probably two or three bike lengths in between every block of six steps. So me and Nigel rode round, and then I turned around and noticed that Elliot had gone, and he took the harder route, and he just took the opportunity to sprint up the steps. So it's a good... 100 meters I'd say uphill and he was just sprinting all the steps so he was attacking the steps sprinting between attack the steps sprinting between attack the step about 30 seconds later we'd ridden round we ended up meeting him and that just stood out to me there and it happened for the rest of the ride on the climbs if there was say a left let's say um there was one part which was just where the path went off to the left and it kind of swooped back into a right-hander and then took you. Whereas right ahead of you was a really steep, like really steep short climb which cut out the corner, but that was more difficult. And I noticed that every time Elliot would be taking the harder option, so he would sprint the stairs before, he would sprint the hard bit and really like challenge himself on the to do the sharp steep bit instead of going around the easy path and that just stood out to me it was only subtle he wasn't doing it to brag or you know to show off or anything he was just obsessed with doing the hardest route and that stood out to me that like he's a pro rider paid full time to ride i think he comes like 20th 30th at the ews races something like that and it just stood out to me that he was always taking the harder option and i was like there's a good lesson in that like if you can take the easy path or the hard path if you take the hard path it is really going to add up to greater fitness strength everything really so there was certainly a lesson in that i thought so yeah, that leads me on to a ride that I did this week, which I thought you would find maybe interesting. Again, I did a Facebook post on this, but I headed out for a ride to a descent that I've done, I think twice before. Uh, the last couple of times I've been there doing it, it's over Todmorden Way, which is my neck of the woods. You, if you listen to this, you may have never heard of that, but if you know Hebden Bridge, it's not, not far from there. Um, and like I say, it's a descent I've done twice before, so it's steep, it's rocky, everything is perfectly rideable, like I say, I've ridden it before a couple of times, the first time, excuse me, hiccups, the first time I was there on my own, but there was a load of walkers around because it was a sunny day, and then the second time I was with Ozzy, my best mate, so both times you've got someone with you, so you know if anything goes wrong, you've got someone there to, you know, look after you and to make sure you get home safe and all that kind of thing. Whereas this time, I'd headed up just before a rainstorm, so after, after I should have said, after the crash last week where I ended up in the stream, I ended up with a massive bruise on my thigh and I was limping around for a few days, couldn't straighten my leg out, etc. It's all healed up now, it's fine, it's just, you know, I bashed it on a rock, it happens, doesn't it? Um... But when I headed out on the ride, I was feeling great on the bike, and then I got to the top of the descent, um, and there was absolutely nobody around, like nobody. So I was feeling a bit, just slightly nervous about it, I think because there was nobody around and it was a steep, rocky descent. But I dropped in anyway, and then for whatever reason, my pedal wouldn't clip in. No idea why, I don't know if there was a rock stuck in it or something, but it physically, I couldn't get it in. So I rode about 10 seconds of the trail, so I've unclipped, trying to clip in. Obviously, you don't ride well when you're doing that, but I've got the Shimano XTR pedals, which have the platform on it, so you've got something to stand on. Um, but I couldn't clip in, so I stopped after about 10 seconds, and then got off the bike and pushed to the top of the descent again. And then I messed around with my pedal for 5-10 minutes, it was still a bit sporadic, it wouldn't clip in that great, I don't know if I've damaged it. Um, but I got it in in the end, and then I dropped into this, the descent. 
And again, by that point, it started to storm, so it started to thunder, sorry. So there was a thunder thunder that I could hear, I don't know, about a mile away, something like that. And I could see a rainstorm in the distance coming in. And now, like I say, there was absolutely nobody around, like nobody there. Uh, and you're quite exposed in the middle of the moors. Um, about to go into a you know steep rocky descent so I dropped in anyway and I did the very first section of trail and I just felt stiff on the bike like I felt stiff felt nervous I wasn't riding well and I thought this just isn't worth it I'm not I'm not doing not feeling this today so I stopped after 10 meters pushed to the top and then I just went a different way instead and rode, rode home a different way and I just wanted to share that story with you where I've done the descent before, well within my ability, I'm perfectly fine doing it, normally it wouldn't, you know, intimidate me that much, I'd just enjoy it, but for whatever reason on that day, I just was not feeling it, and that's absolutely fine, like, sure, for the next half an hour or so on the way home, I was beating myself up a bit, but then on the other side of it, I was glad that I'd not forced myself to do the descent, because... If you're not feeling relaxed, if you're not riding well, if you're feeling rushed, then you're not going to ride at your best. And that's when you're way more likely to crash and you're well more likely to injure yourself. You know, it's not like it was a race day and I was at the hard rock, for example, and it was a stage and you have to perform. I was just out riding on my own and the stakes were, you know, higher than usual. There was a storm coming in. I was completely on my own. I didn't know if I got phone signal there. And all those things, the fact that my leg was still sore, I wasn't riding 100%, all those things were kind of adding up to make me not feel as good as I normally feel on the bike. So... I just rode home and went a different way. And like, that's absolutely fine. And I wanted to share that story just so you could hear that it's absolutely fine to not drop into a descent one time if you're feeling it. No matter whether you've done that descent or not, there's no shame in it. Doesn't matter. Because I can tell you, if I hadn't listened to my body and I knew, if I hadn't listened to the fact that I wasn't in the right headspace and I'd ended up falling off and breaking my arm again or breaking a leg and ended up stuck up there, I would have regretted that so much more than I regretted wimping out, if you like, and not doing the descent that day. So I just wanted to share that story with you because sometimes you do have to push out of your comfort zone but do it when it's safe and when there's people around. So, you know, if you're riding with a group of five people and you've got plenty of time, if you do fall off and hurt yourself, you've got people there to look after you. Um, or even if there's loads of walkers around and stuff like that, you know that there's somebody there at least, so you're not going to end up stuck on your own. Whereas in this situation with a storm coming in and not feeling it, it wasn't the time. So um, if you never push yourself out of your comfort zone, of course, you're not going to progress on the bike, but you can pick your moments, um, and for me, that the, the moment wasn't then, so yeah, listen to your body. And this leads me on to another random story I was telling a client yesterday. So this is a complete tangent out to the story. So I actually, when I was younger, I used to want to join the police. So I became a personal trainer when I was 18, 19. So I finished college and then instead of going to university, I decided to become a PT instead. And before I became a PT, for years, I'd actually wanted to join the police. My ex-girlfriend, my girlfriend at the time's dad, was the detective in the police. We always used to talk about it. He was a homicide detective, so he had some good stories to tell. And it was just what I really wanted to do at the time. Um, so I got to the point where I was joining the special constables, which is the volunteer police. And I'd done everything that I wanted to do. Um to apply I should say I'd done everything that I needed to do to apply and we were doing the fitness test which was a part of it now I turned up really psyched myself up to um 
to do the bleep test which we had to do so the bleep test for those that don't know is when you run to one line run back um, and it starts off at a walking pace and then every different level that you go through it gets faster and faster and faster until the higher levels you're sprinting as fast as you can uh, so we got warmed up, we did like a 20 minute warm up, and then we started walking, and then we broke into a very, very light jog, and then it was over. <laughs> they stopped the test, if you got to the point where you were jogging, you'd pass the test, um, and you, 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 you didn't get the opportunity to carry on. And I remember I was gutted at the time, because I was really psyched up to get the best score I could possibly get, and to sort of challenge myself, and it wasn't to compete against the other people there, although I suppose that might have been, you know, 20% of it but I've been working hard I've been running lots and I just wanted to test myself and see what level I could get so I was fully ready to leave everything on that um that core and proper go for it and see what my best score could be on the bleep test uh, and the reason I was talking about that is just because I was talking about to a client about the reasons to train hard and to you know be motivated and what it's for and for me it was just that, that bleep test several years ago it was all about the personal challenge and seeing how well I could do. And I think in our lives now, if you ever get an opportunity to test yourself, to test your fitness or your mindset or you know to enter a race or something, I think those things are a really, really good thing to do because it gives you an opportunity to see what you can do and to challenge yourself. I know when I did the 24-hour ride for charity last year, like I was so excited for the opportunity to push myself out of my comfort zone and to give myself something to train towards and to work hard towards. And you know that bleep test at the time was something good to train towards, but it would have been an opportunity to test my fitness as well. And I think often if we only ride bikes and we don't do any races, we don't do any events, and we don't pay particular attention to Strava times, for example, then you don't have a real challenge. You don't have anything to beat. And for me, anyway, I think it's really important to constantly constantly be trying to progress and to beat your previous times. So, yeah, I think the, the message that I was talking to my client about yesterday and the message that I think for, for you listening to this would be that if you can fit some kind of challenge into your goal so if it could be a race or an event or a riding holiday or something that you want to achieve on the bike it pays really well to have that because you will train harder you will ride harder but as well as that it will just give you that opportunity to test and benchmark your fitness and then 12 months later you can redo it so you might do the same enduro race every year let's say the hard rock for example that's a popular one here in the uk you might do the the hard rock enduro every year and then you get to compare your times and compare just generally how you did out of the number of people that did it each year and then you can see yourself progressing and i think strava is a good way for that as well if you use Strava after every time, after every ride, you can check your PRs and see how you're doing, and then you can just compare your fitness as it progresses. Um, me and Ozzy, I can't remember if I said this on the podcast last week, but I'll tell it again now. Um, me and Ozzy last week headed up on a climb the other day, and it was a really sunny day, and it's a climb that just always sucks, like it absolutely it murders. It's steep. And it was really exposed, so it was boiling hot sunshine when we were doing it. And we just went as fast as we could up it. And at the top of it, I was just as exhausted as normal. Uh, and it always takes everything out of me. I was knackered, like breathing heavy, legs killing, etc., etc. And then when we got home, I compared my time. And I'd absolutely demolished my previous time, which was about 12 months before. 
And without Strava tracking my times and without me being able to compare, I really wouldn't have known that I was faster up the climb because it felt just as hard as it always ever as it always used to. And, and there's a good quote, I forget who by, that it never gets easier, you just go faster. And I think for mountain biking, that's so true in that the fitter that you get, you'll just end up pushing harder up the hills and going faster and you end up getting faster times. But that's absolutely fine. I think it's so important to always push yourself and to always try and get to that next level. So take from that what you will. <laughs> Now on to a bit of a different tangent. So because of coronavirus, obviously the routines that you've been in and that I've been in have been very different. So I normally work on MTB Fitness four days a week and then two days a week I have one-to-one clients. I enjoy having that kind of one-to-one interaction with people. And I think the lessons that I learn working in person with people still transfer over to MTB Fitness. So when somebody messaged me saying that they're struggling with a split squat, for example, the fact that yesterday I was coaching a client through a split squat can really help. Um, and I think it just helps transfer online. So yeah, it's good and I enjoy it. It's nice to have that one-to-one contact with people. Um, but yeah, I when the start of coronavirus hit for about three months, I had a period of time where I wasn't training clients. I was just stuck at home. Uh, or stuck at home is a wrong phrase. I was at home working. And then now I'm back to training clients a couple of days a week. But we're training outside. So there's no coffee shops open that you can go and sit in. And there's nowhere to go like food-wise or anything like that. So I've had to make changes to my nutrition. And it would have been really, really easy because I'm having to take my food with me and not have access to anywhere. There's no microwave to cook any food, to warm up any food. You know, most of the shops and stuff is shut or have been shut. It would have been really easy to drop into bad nutrition habits and to start eating crap. But it's really important with your food that you just need to adapt to whatever you've got going on. So people a lot like often message me and say, the the they have a job where they're on the road all the time so they can eat well and like in that example it's not true it's just different the way that you need to eat well so if you do have a job where you're on the road you can quite happily drop into Marks and Spencers for example uh, and get a salad you know from the service stations you can prepare food for at least for the first day of driving uh, and take it with you like there's there's always options if you go into a restaurant when they're open again you can choose a healthy option on the menu you don't have to go for the mcdonald's instead you know you can choose a healthy restaurant and choose a healthy meal at that restaurant um, and with this, with this change in nutrition, it's just been a matter of switching it up. So I've taken a food, uh, a cooler bag to the gym. Oh, well, well, we've been training by the gym in the car park next to the gym. Um, but I've been taking a cooler bag to the gym and I've just filled it with loads of healthy food. So I'm taking some fruit. Uh, I've been having sandwiches, which aren't ideal, but they're much better than, you know, other things that I could get. So I've had sandwiches full of protein, taken fruit in there. We're taking some healthy snacks like nuts and that sort of thing. And then I've just made sure that I've had a good breakfast in the morning. And when I got back in the evening, I've had a good evening meal as well. Uh, some days I've also taken salads as well. So there's been some salad days in there. So I might have one sandwich and then one salad later on. Um, and I think it's really easy when you've got a change like that. It'd be very easy for me to say, oh, I'm, I'm, I don't have a microwave. I don't have access to any healthy food. So I'm just going to eat crap for the next few weeks. But in reality, there's always an option to eat healthily. You just need to commit to it and you need to figure out the best way of doing it. And I think if you're listening to this and you want to eat healthy and you're perhaps struggling for whatever reason, 
don't make excuses, just plan and figure out the best way to eat healthfully. Um, because there's always a way of doing it, it just takes a little planning uh, and a little... Uh, a little discipline really and the planning's important like if you stay at home and just plan your food for the next week when you've got that plan in place you then you're gonna make the healthy options but overall i think my point for this bit is that when it comes to healthy eating and it comes to nutrition you have to take responsibility for the food that you put in your mouth and it's so easy to blame external factors like not having access to a microwave or shops being shut or coffees being coffee shops being closed in reality that's all excuses and it's up to you whether you eat healthily or not and there was definitely some days where i got caught out and i didn't eat as well as i should have done but i soon made sure that i got on top of it and then got myself to eat healthy food and it's, it's your responsibility at the end of the day to eat healthy and to make good choices. Um, with that, training. So the gyms have obviously been closed for several months. So I've missed lifting weights in the gym. But what I've been doing instead is just, A, riding my bike, obviously, and then training outside. So yesterday, I had an hour gap between clients. So I just grabbed some weights out of the boot of my car. Um, I don't have many. I've only got a handful of weights. Grab some um, weights, grab some resistance bands, and I just did a workout on the grass. So the first couple of exercises was doing press-ups. Got some press-up handles. Um, so doing some press-ups on the grass, and then doing in straight into chest flies, where I hooked my resistance bands over a tree, and then was doing those. And then I did various other exercises. It was all a full-body workout yesterday. It was really fun. Got my headphones on, just like I would normally in the gym. Listened to some great music whilst I was training. It was a really good workout. And I think there's probably people listening to this who maybe would enjoy training in the gym or would want to start some kind of training plan, but they're thinking, oh, I'll, I'll just wait until all this has uh, died down and the gyms are open and I can get into a normal routine. It's probably going to be a long time, definitely months, before everything is open as normal and life feels like normal. So if you're thinking of starting training off the bike, now is the time to do it and you can do it anywhere, whether it's at home, in your garage, in a hotel room, um, outside in a park, like you can do it anywhere. Uh, if you do want info on training off the bike, check out my 12-week training program. You probably already know about it, but if not, just head to mtb.fitness and that will just give you everything you need to know of how to train off the bike to benefit your mountain biking. Um, but that's just the type of workouts that I've been doing outside. You know, you only need a resistance band. If you've got some weights, great, but you don't need that. And you can do it anywhere. And I think, again, the message there is just about learning to adapt and not make excuses. Like, sure, I would love to train in the gym right now, but they aren't open, might not be able to access one for a while, so you just have to pivot and train off the bike using resistance bands instead. Like, you know, just, I think the overall message with that one is just tweak your approach and just pivot, just change your approach. Don't make excuses, find a way of doing it. And there's always ways. And then this leads me on to my final point, which I think will be beneficial for all of the things that I've spoke about today, but like around your mindset. And I was thinking about that just this morning when I was drinking a coffee because I like to have random daydreams. <laughs> and I was just thinking about how important music is for your state of mind. So I use music loads. Like if And depending on the situation will depend on what music I listen to. So often if I want to do some work where I really need to just dig into it and type fast and get a lot done, I'll put dance music on. Um, so Radio 1 dance anthems. And I'll find that that really picks me up and gives me tons of energy. Uh, and helps me type faster and just get in the zone. Other times, 
I might be trying to be strategic. So let's say I'm thinking about what product to launch next for MTB Fitness. So that's not the kind of thing where I want to be thinking fast. That's the kind of thing where I need to be thoughtful and planning and just really like, you know, thinking about things in depth. So for that sort of thing, I'll put some slow, chilled out music on instead. So I might have some Harry Potter theme tune music or some film music or some Steve Jablonski, which you should Google if you don't know who that is, uh, or some Hans Zimmer or some John Williams or something like that. Something that's... Still gives you emotions, but it's quite slow and chilled out and much slower paced than dance music. Before I go for a ride, I tend to watch riding videos and they'll always contain some kind of upbeat music. Um, the This Is Home mountain bike series by Shimano I always watch, for example. I know I've spoke about that before on here. But that kind of thing will lift your mood as well. Just getting the right music. Excuse me. Burp. <laughs> Excuse me for that. Now I'll be that sandwich. <laughs> um, so listening to music before you head out on a ride, again, like really helps get you in that state of mind. And then when you're training, you might want to listen to some rock music or some Linkin Park or some rap music or whatever gets you in the mood. And the, reason, the, the point with this is just that you want to use music to your benefit because it will massively change your state and get you in the right state of mind, whether it's a chilled out state of mind or a focused state of mind or one where you're about to work hard. No matter what it is, music will massively, massively help. So I want to leave you with that point for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed me ranting off. There's various different points to take away from it. Hopefully one or two of them have been beneficial to you. And then... Yeah, if, you want, if you're wanting more kind of things like this, I've been pushing heavily working on the YouTube, the MTB Fitness YouTube at the moment. So if you haven't picked up the MTB Fitness YouTube, if you haven't watched any of the videos, then just go on YouTube, Google M or search MTB Fitness, and then you can watch some of the MTB Fitness YouTube videos as well. There's been some great ones on there so far. But other than that, I'm going to report and record another episode of the podcast soon. Thanks so much for listening to this one, and I will see you next time for another episode of the MTB Fitness Podcast.